slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, happy January 2nd, everybody. Hope everyone is getting back to normal after the holiday break, and I hope everybody had a happy and a healthy new year. Lots happening in the world of the New York Islanders, so of course, we will bring it all to you here on the Locked On Islanders podcast. We will have a full preview of tonight's game at the Nassau Coliseum against the New Jersey Devils, and we will also break down the goaltending situation that the Islanders are going through right now. Looks like right now that Barry Trotz has chosen a goalie to be the de facto number one. And the question remains, is that a permanent decision, a temporary decision, uh, or what have you? So we're going to analyze the goaltending situation. It has changed over the last couple of weeks. And uh, certainly we want anybody to chime in with that. We will also take a look back at a beautiful blowout game on this date in Islanders history that featured a hat trick by a future Islanders Hall of Famer. So lots to discuss on today's show. Before we get started, remember if you want to join the show, if you have a question or a comment or a topic you'd like us to discuss the way to email the show is to contact us at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. Leave your name and where you're from, and we'll be happy to discuss your topic, your comment, uh, or whatever else you want to talk about on the air, and we'll certainly mention your name as well. Uh, if you want to follow the show on Twitter and keep up with everything happening around the world of the Islanders, the email address at Locked On Isles. You could also follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at Ice Wars, N Y R V S N Y I. And uh, please, if you're enjoying the show, to help other Islanders fans and hockey fans find it on uh, your podcatcher, please leave a five star review if you're enjoying the show and uh, a comment as well. And that way we can help grow our audience and, and just bring more people into the Locked on Islanders family. I right, let's start off by discussing the goaltending situation as it exists. And look, if you, if you break things down right now, it is clear that Simeon Varlamov has had the edge in recent, let's say in the last five or six games. He started four of the last six relieved Tomas Grice in one of those two starts that Grice had over that six-game span. And there is seemingly a little bit of separation right now between Grice and Varlamov statistically. If we break it down, in 20 games started, Varlamov 14-3-3. He has a 2.43 goals against average, a 920 save percentage, and the 
only shutout the Islanders have recorded this year was recorded by Simeon Varlamov. Grice, on the other hand, uh, 18 games started, so two fewer than Varlamov, 11-7-0 in those 18 games, a 2-5-8 goals against average, a a .920 save percentage, and no shutouts as of yet on the season. So the save percentage is virtually identical, but the goals against average and the wins and losses is where Varlamov seems to have a little bit of an edge. Right now, the goals against average is 0.15 difference in favor of Varlamov, and the wins are in his favor. The 14-3-3 record against the 11-7-0 record just seems to indicate right now that this team is playing better with Varlamov in goal than they are with Grice. And I think overall, Varlamov lately has been the more consistent goaltender. And that, I think, is the key. If you're Barry Trotz and you're trying to figure out your rotation, it is very likely, very likely, that the consistency of Varlamov is going to give him an edge. Now, when you look back at the career of both Grice and Varlamov, Grice tends to, uh, he tends to be a little bit less consistent, and he tends to, if he gets overworked, he tends to go through some, you know, low points. He tires, and he tends to slump a little bit. And whether or not that is the reason for his recent inconsistent play, or whether it's more or less of a coincidence, that remains to be seen. But at the end of the day, here's the thing. I think Trotz will ride the hot hand, regardless of which goalie that is. And if right now Varlamov has been playing better as of late, I I think he will get, let's say, two out of every three starts until maybe, you know, Varlamov starts to have a few bad games or Grice earns some more playing time with some very strong performances when he's in between the pipes. I think this is going to be a 1A situation, two 1A goalies for most of the season until we get closer to playoff time, at which point I get the feeling that Trotz will choose one goalie, which is what happened last year. And last year it was Robin Lehner who got the playoff starts and, you know, whoever's hot will probably get the starts when push comes to shove. Right now, here's the quote from Barry Trotz, uh, according to Newsday. Here's the quote. In his games, Varlamov looks more comfortable on a consistent basis than maybe earlier in the year, and that's because he's been around. He's worked with the goaltending coaches, he's seen how the group in front of him plays, and it becomes more natural for him. So, look, maybe it took... 20 starts or, you know, 15 starts for uh, Varlamov to adjust to playing this system, to adjust to playing with these teammates. Right now, Varlamov is probably going to be the starting goalie, but when push comes to shove, I don't think that Barry Trotz will hesitate to turn back to Grice if Varlamov slips up or Grice gets hot. So, you know, Varlamov probably the starter right now, but 
I don't necessarily think that's guaranteed to last, and I don't think that anyone will hesitate to go either back to a rotation or back to Grice if things change. So that's the goaltending situation as of now, but it's a fluid situation. It's in flux, and I, I, I think throughout this season, we're going to see both goaltenders get ample opportunities to show what they can do. All right, we got a lot more to get to on today's Locked On Islanders podcast. We will preview tonight's game against the Devils at the Coliseum and look back at a big blowout victory on this date in Islanders history. Stay with us. More to come right after this. Okay, let's take a look back at this date in Islanders history. January 2nd, 1979. Islanders meeting the Vancouver Canucks at the Nassau Coliseum, and this game was all Islanders. Chico Resch in goal for the Isles. Glenn Hanlon got the start for the Vancouver Canucks, and the Islanders' power play got going early with Harold Sneps in the penalty box. Mike Bossy gets his 31st of the year from Brian Trottier and Dennis Potvan at 359 and it's 1-0 Islanders. Again, the Canucks commit a penalty. Dennis Kearns goes off at 9-11 of the first period, and the Islanders cash in. Bossy, his second goal of the game from Trottier and Clark Gillies at 10-16, and after 20 minutes, it was 2-0 Islanders. But in the second period, the Islanders take command. Bob Bourne gets an even-strength goal, his 13th of the year, from Lorne Henning and Bobby Nystrom at 6.08. And then Dave Lewis gets his second goal of the season, also at even strength. And the assists go to Gary Howitt and Brian Trottier at 11.51. But the Islanders weren't done yet. On... The next goal, Bossy completes his hat trick. 33rd goal from Gillies and Trottier as the top line strikes. Time of the goal, 14 minutes exactly. And the Islanders' lead was 5-0. And then John Tanelli, his 11th from Wayne Merrick and Dennis Potvan at 15:57. That one is a power play goal. It closes out the scoring. Pitt Martin of Vancouver, by the way, was in the penalty box. And that closes out the scoring for the second period, where the Islanders held a 6-0 lead. Third period, more of the same. Bob Bourne is second of the game, 14th of the year, from Jerry Hart and Nystrom at 107. And then Wayne Merrick closes out, well, no, he gets into the act. He gets his eighth from Billy Harris and Tonelli at 746. And then Howitt closes out the scoring with an unassisted goal. At 9.15, Islanders win this game 9-0 before an excited crowd of 14,968 at the Coliseum. Islanders score 9 goals on 35 shots, better than a 25% shooting percentage as a team. Resch makes 23 saves to earn the shutout, and the Islanders just clicking on all cylinders in this game. You know, the 1978-79 Islanders were so good. They won, you know, had the best record in the league, wasn't a President's Trophy yet back then. 
but they would have won it had it existed. But people forget how good they were. Now, here's here's where the Islanders were at this point in January 2nd, 1979. They had played 19 home games up until this point and hadn't lost yet at home. Bossy was leading the league in goals with 33. Brian Trache, who had four assists in this game, passed Guy Lafleur and took over the NHL lead in points. The Islanders had their seventh straight win, which was, as of that time, a team record. 7-0-0, no overtime, no shootouts back then. And Chico Resch had 20 games without a loss at that point for the Islanders. So they were just on a roll and one of the greatest teams, uh, they were averaging 4.8 goals a, a game at this point in the season. And that was third best all time behind only the 71-72 Bruins and the 76-77 Canadians, both of those teams, of course, winning Stanley Cups. The Islanders were still one year away from four straight Stanley Cups, but this team was unbelievably good and certainly showing what they could do at that point in time. The Islanders' record after this game 25 wins, 4 losses, and 7 ties on the season. And they beat the Vancouver Canucks by a score of 9 to nothing on this date in Islanders history, January 2nd, 1979. Shutout for Chico Resch, hat trick for Mike Bossy, 4 assists for Brian Trottier, all a day at the office for the 1978-1979 New York Islanders. I'll tell you something else, too. You don't see dominating records like that in the NHL anymore. And and back then, you did. Uh, you, you had some very, very good teams and then some very, very bad teams in this league. Uh, and right now, there's so much more parity, so many more teams that are, you know, there are no teams that are out of the playoff picture by American Thanksgiving or or by this time of year where you just say, hey, there is no chance that this team is is even close to the playoffs. Very few teams. Used to be, you know, you had teams like the California Golden Seals or the Colorado Rockies or uh, some years the Quebec Nordique uh, who were just, you know, or the Winnipeg Jets when they first came into the NHL. They were just bad teams. And you knew pretty much a month or two into the season that they were gone, but then you had dominant teams like the Canadians and Islanders who each won four straight Stanley Cups in the late 70s and early 80s where, you know, those teams were elite and they were going places and watching two of those elite teams play really was something special back then. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we will preview tonight's game at the Coliseum against the New Jersey Devils. Big division rival game coming up. More to come on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so tonight, Islanders, Devils at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum, 7 o'clock face-off. 
And you look at the standings, Islanders again, second place in the Metropolitan Division, 25-10-3. They are six points behind Washington with three games in hand, but Pittsburgh just one point behind the Islanders. Islanders have a game in hand. Carolina, three points behind the Islanders. Islanders have two games in hand. And Philadelphia, uh, just one point behind Carolina. Uh, So they're four points behind the Islanders. Islanders have two games in hand. So you look at it, and everything is tight right now in the Metropolitan Division. Islanders can't afford to let up. Devils in eighth place right now. They're the only team in the division below NHL 500. They're 14-19-6 in 39 games. That gives them 34 points, so 19 points right now behind the Islanders. Devils have won their last two and three of their last four. Uh, Last game came on New Year's Eve. They beat Boston 3-2 in Newark. Beat Ottawa in Ottawa before that, two days earlier, 4-3. Lost a tough one, 5-4 to Toronto at home. And before that, they blew out the Blackhawks in Chicago, 7-1. So, Devils playing a little bit better. As of late, winning three of their last four, including that 3-2 shootout win over the Bruins on New Year's Eve day. Things to look for from the Devils as we break down their statistics. Their big issue, scoring goals. They are 29th in the league in goals scored. Not much better goals against 28th in the league in that department. The penalty kill is okay. 19th in the league, just a little bit below the middle of the league, but the power play, next to last in the NHL, 14.2% success rate, 30th in the league with the man advantage. So the Devils, uh, you know, the Islanders' PK should be good here, should be able to keep the Devils in check, and this is a team, and this is a game, you got a home game against a division rival who is... 19 points behind you in a race for the playoffs. That's the kind of game the Islanders need to win. And, you know, they haven't officially announced a a starting goalie. Although, I wouldn't be surprised to see Varlamov again uh, get the bid. But, regardless of who plays in goal, uh, this is a game the Islanders really should win. Number one goalie for the Devils, Mackenzie Blackwood. 27 starts, 30 overall appearances, 13, 10, and 5 on the year, a 2.85 goals against average, 9.07 save percentage. He does have one shutout. Jill Sen is the backup right now. Uh, he is 0-1-0 in his one start, two appearances, a 3-4, two goals against average, and a 9.02 save percentage. Corey Snyder uh, gone, as many of you probably know, no longer with the Devils. Now, the top scorers on the Devils, you know, they don't have a lot of dominant players right now, but they do certainly have some talent. Kyle Palmieri uh, leading the team with 15 goals and 27 points. Blake Coleman next on the goal scorers list with 12 He has 20 points, and that is one of 
six players with 20 or more points in the New Jersey lineup. Taylor Hall, Nikita Gusev, uh, Nico uh, Hershire, Sammy Vatnin, and Blake Coleman also above the 20-point mark. Kyle Palmieri, uh, in addition to leading the team in goals, also leading the team in game-winning goals with three, power play goals with seven, and Taylor Hall has 12 power play points to pace the team, despite the fact that he's only played 30 games uh, right now for the Devils. We'll break down the line combinations that we expect to see uh, right now. The top trio, Nico Hershire in the middle between Jasper Bratt and Kyle Palmieri. Uh, Travis Zajac centers the second line, a longtime Devil stalwart behind between Coleman and Nikita Gusev. Uh, Jack Hughes, the third line center between Miles Wood and Wayne Simmons. And then Pavel Zaka uh, is the fourth line centerman with Jasper Boakvist and John Hayden on his wing. So Taylor Hall still sticking around despite the fact, among the team leaders, despite the fact that he's no longer with the team. On defense, Andy Green and P.K. Subban make a very strong top pairing. Sammy Vatnin and Damon Severson are the second bunch. And Will Butcher and Mirko Mueller, the former San Jose Shark, are the third combination on defense. Should be an interesting game, but the Islanders, at the very least, New Jersey is a team that the Islanders should play solid defensive hockey against. And the the disturbing thing, look, the win in Washington was a big one, but they were very reliant on Varlamov, and especially in that third period where the Islanders were just getting outplayed, outshot, and dominated. And despite that, Varlamov managed to bail them out. Now, they should not necessarily need that much outstanding goaltending against the Devils right now. And it'll be interesting to see how they match lines. You know, this game is at the Coliseum. Will Barry Trotz try to put, let's say, you know, the third line out against the top line with uh, Hershire and Palmieri and Bratt? That's a tough line to face, but it's also a line that really does produce the majority of the Devils' offense. And, you know, I want to see how Trotz handles it. Is he going to match lines or is he going to just let, you know, try to run his four lines and keep them relatively evenly paced out the way he normally does uh, and then just have his top players do more time on the PK and, of course, on the power play. Lots of interesting things to look at in this game. It is a game the Islanders should be favored to win and if they're going to get back on track, if they're going to play consistent hockey like they were earlier in the season. This is a game the Islanders really need to take care of business. They're on a two-game winning streak, and it would mean a lot to the Islanders if they could extend it to three. We will, of course, be back tomorrow with a full analysis of this game, plus a full preview of Saturday's game in Toronto against John Tavares and the Maple Leafs. So lots more to talk about tomorrow on the Locked On Islanders podcast. I'm your host, Gil Martin. Thanks so much for joining us. And it's always a pleasure to bring you the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.